Hello, welcome to Robin Ince's Book Shambles. Josie Long has been sacked by the fact that she hasn't bothered to turn up. I don't know where she is. She's very, very late. So this is Robin Ince's Book Shambles, uh, joined by um, Charlotte Church. Hiya. Charlotte, the uh, oh, last night we were doing a gig at Hammersmith, um, and uh, so I'm. Are you a little bit hungover? I'm a tiny bit hungover. Yeah, I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm able to survive. Yeah. But there is a homunculus nestling in my mind yeah. that is just scratching at some of my neurons. Yeah. The th- the thing is, is that we have to do it all again tonight. Yeah. That's the thing that's given me the fear. Oh, I think it's going to be, yeah, the uh, Grace Petrie. You did look after her, didn't you? Yes, she was absolutely fine. Good, that's okay then. So uh, because I was a little bit hungover, uh, I went to all the charity shops in Hammersmith. Lovely. And this is what, I don't know if you have a thing where you go, oh, now I'm going to walk past shops and because of just a little extra bit of whiskey in my mind, I'm not going to be able to say no to buy... More pliable. What have I got today? I bought the uh, Vampires and Vampirism by Dudley Wright. That's from 1914. That's History of Vampires. The In Bruges screenplay. uh, The Rat Catcher screenplay. Uh, a big book of photos of pop stars and rock stars. Nice. I bet you've read this. Peter Doggett's There's a Riot Going On. No. That's about counterculture in the 1960s. Then I thought, hang on a minute, I'd better get a textbook <laughs> of psychosexual disorders, second edition by Clifford Allen. That's Oxford University Press, 1969. So second edition, it's really up to date and it's Wonderful. got everything. Scoptophilio exhibitionism. We can deal with that later on. Uh, then I thought, I do need a 1959 hardback copy of The Rebel by Albert Camus because I've got two other paperbacks copies that I haven't read and I think this is going to be the edition that I do read. Absolutely. I I feel it. I can feel it. Oh, it doesn't smell that old though, but it is. It is. And then then what else did I get? Then I thought, oh, I need a book about the the work of Angela Carter as well and uh, a spare rib reader as well. If you remember, it would be before your time really, but the spare rib, rib, the uh, kind of, uh, it was a magazine, uh, feminist magazine, a women's liberation magazine. Cool. And uh, big uh, In the Shadow of No Towers by Art Spiegelman from Oxfam. That looks amazing. So that's what happens when I'm hungover. <laughs> that's a lovely thing to happen. I, uh, well I'm done, you. A little bit rebellious in my book buying. See, I me- I just meld into the sofa. Do like, you? Yeah, that's generally what I do. I watch um, as much comforting Doctor Who as is humanly possible um, and don't challenge myself too much. So you are a big Doctor Who fan. Is, is that yeah. partly because I know, you know, there, there is a Welshness within you yes. that says now... Now we have moved from Scarrow to Cardiff. <laughs> then they... <laughs> oh, Josie, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Josie. Like, but uh, this, this is, is it's, it's Robin Ince's book shambles. It's Robin Ince's oh, book it's shambles so now. Darling. Anyway, <laughs> Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us, and um, oh my God. thank you very much, Charlotte Church. This is the first time that I've brought books. I've brought books. Well, I've <laughs> got vampires bag. and vampirism. Who needs you? Fuck Go and get your books. <laughs> right. What have you, you already talked about? We haven't talked about anything. Yeah, I've just gone okay. through all the books I bought because I was a bit hungover this morning. <laughs> Go and get your books then. All is well. I am a friend. Just, we've got loads of these to do today. Oh, I, I've got a really cool psychological test I want to do on you as well. Oh, okay. Involving Doctor Who in Cardiff? Uh, no, no, not at all, but we, we'll do that later. But yeah, I absolutely love Doctor Who. Um, it's not necessarily just because it's filmed in Wales, though I think that's a great thing and I think the BBC would, should completely continue to um, not make their stuff so London-centric. Um uh, but I, I just think it's wonderful. I think the writing's amazing. I love Peter Capaldi so hard. I was so excited when I found out that he was a doctor. And I think he had a slow start, but the last two episodes absolutely blew my mind. 
So I am a happy Doctor Who fan currently. See, I, I haven't seen them, as I said to you. As I've, my son's seen them, and I said, do you want to watch the penultimate episode again? He went, well, didn't really understand it. But yeah. he's, he's seven, so he's allowed not to understand something set over billions of years in which someone drags their fingers across an ice cave. Is that roughly it? Sort of. It's very complex, um, considering it's a family show. Um, but it's basically um, just Peter Capaldi. He's the only person in it. Um, That's all I want. Oh, he is wonderful. The story's incredible. It's his own personal hell. It's amazing. See, the thing that I was... When I went to the Doctor Who uh, festival uh, a couple of weeks ago with my son, there was... Uh, I, I don't know if I... Did I mention this word to you before? I was talking to one of the Doctor Who people. They went, the trouble with a lot of Doctor Who fans is there's a thing called anticipointment. Anticipointment. And what it is, is they go, great, Doctor Who's on tonight. We really can't wait to watch Doctor Who. Well, they've got that wrong. Oh, that's wrong. Oh, well, this doesn't make any sense if you think of the... Fifth. So yeah. every single Saturday is oh, the unbearable. excitement of finding out what you feel is actually a little bit wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> I but, thought this one was going to work, but actually, happily enough, it doesn't in my mind. But I feel like the last two episodes, you know, generally, like you're 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 teetering on the edge of like them giving you any sort of information about what is going on, where the doctors come from, where's Gallifrey, all the rest of it. Um, the mystery of the Time Lords, and I felt like they give you so much information about all of this stuff that it's just, it's a gift, man. Oh, it's so satisfying. <laughs> it's so satisfying. So now, like you, you move in a little bit, and... Josie, make sure you you're near the microphone. When I swapped seats, because I was all alone, it was so lonely here. <laughs> we felt like Vladimir and Estronom, but then... You've ruined... about today. <laughs> well, you can... Right. Books for the first time. Amazing. I don't Thank books. you, Daddy. I'm going to do the intro again. We're going to keep it as it is. But okay. ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Josie Long. Woo! And Robin Ince's book shambles. The brief... We realised it didn't work at all without you, Josie. Thank it's you. It's great to have you oh, back. Heavens. Oh, what a life. Um, I, you guys have already been talking about Doctor Who. What, what did you first talk about when you first started? Literally, we've all we've done. We, we've only we've only just started. We had, I get? haven't brought anything because I didn't get any information off Mr. Ince oh here. God, <laughs> I do. I do have one book in my bag, which is the Three Stigmatas of Palmer Eldritch. <gasps> well, Philip K. Dick. How far are you into that? Like halfway. See, Philip K. Dick is, uh, that is something that just, once I haven't seen Man in the High Castle yet and I don't think I want to. Yeah. Oh, I've seen two episodes. There's a very funny bit where they get bring out a gun and the guy's like, oh, but it's in America. But the guy's scared by the gun. Wow. And it's like, hey, liberals, is that what you want? <laughs> See, what I'd <laughs> like, if I made Man in the High Castle, I would make it like a lower low, though. <laughs> I would I would have Gordon Kay and it would be, you know, a separate version of America in which is... Gordon Kay and the lady with the big... Bo- I don't even know what it was. There was a the thing in a lower low. The with the big boobies. Right, yeah, I wasn't as big a fan as you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're the That's correct generation. you were over seven that. years old. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, are you... Because this is the th- to, go, to go back a bit. The first time that I I met you, there's there's lots of things people know about you. Obviously, they know uh, about you as a songwriter and as a singer, performer, and also as a campaigner, An activist and campaigner, activist, <laughs> activist, campaigner, singer, and broadcaster, broadcaster. <laughs> Charlotte Church. Uh, Everyone who's a guest gets to be a broadcaster. Amazing. I'm happy. I can totally add that on. Sorry, carry on, darling. But. What they didn't know is uh, that you're really into ideas about quantum entanglement and generally ideas of particle physics. And that's another entirely like last night. The first song that you did was partly about quantum entanglement. Yes. And how quantum entanglement in- inspired that. Idea. So where before we get go back to science fiction, is that the starting point or was there something in science, something you saw or something you read? 
Do you know what? I didn't, because when I was younger and I was working a lot and my first album was out when I was 12, etc. I was travelling the world. So I had two tutors and I used to go back and forth to school, but I didn't do science. Um, so I, I didn't do science GCSEs. Uh, I just totally missed out science. So I think there's a little harking back to that sort of like, mm, I missed out. Um, but I just started reading The New Scientist. I can't remember why. And um, just having a ball reading The New Scientist um, and learning about some incredible things. And then I met um, a physicist in a house party who started explaining, and, and everybody was really, really rather messy. Uh, and he started explaining quantum entanglement. And and I was just like absolutely enamoured. And so, yeah, ever since then, I just... And it's difficult because um, with so many of these incredibly complicated, massive ideas, like I can read them and ingest them and, t and understand and take it in, but I can't possibly, I can't possibly talk about it. <laughs> but I think that's, no, that, that is the thing. I just did a documentary with, with Brian Cox about um, general relativity. Yeah. And it's beginning now, the, the, it, it's beginning to bed itself, the very basics of yeah. it. But... It's about the third sentence of explaining where I go, no, I can. it can live in there, yes. but it can't come out. In reality. And, and it is absolutely pointless for me to do any more than recommend some books yeah. or some clips on YouTube. There's no point in me going, well, I'll, well I'll, let me give you my own take on general relativity. I don't yeah. know a good metaphor is an old gentleman with a bag. Does <laughs> <laughs> he fill the bag? <laughs> Do you yeah, know the one about the trampoline? Yes, we do. Give us another one. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, do you do you read any science? Like science books? With is there anything you particularly uh, recommend? Or no, I haven't read any sort of boffiny science books. I like I love science fiction. Um, I I don't know. I just find the whole the whole physics spectrum and the sci-fi genre oddly comforting. It's something to That's do. Interesting. Why is that? I don't know. It's something to do with the idea of like death being totally fine. I think, and all of these different possible realities, which yeah. I think is just gorgeous, and I find really comforting. Well, it's where it, it's the two coinciding of like art and science of the idea that yeah, literally an infinite number of possible realities exist. What is more imaginative? Yeah, and playful and whimsical. Yeah, than sitting around them being like. There's a reality where Robin has the head of a marionette. <laughs> but I can never meet the marionetted head. Well, in You're fact, to be honest, it's in this world as well. <laughs> no. It was on stage last night, the felt version of yeah. me. Yeah. There was a, oh. a felt version of me. But they, unfortunately, it was made two years ago, so they do need to now cut more of the hair off. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Those puppets are amazing. They're so much fun, the, those, the, made, the people who made those. But that's because with Philip K. Dick, what I think's. Uh, it's only in the last few years that I realised how much I'd missed by only reading a couple of his books. Do you know, I've mm. read none. I have to say I've read none. I think this is my first. I think this is my first Philip K. Dick Ubik's book. Ubik's great. Okay. What's uh, his style like? Well, he described himself a, a little bit as being, he said, towards the end, I'm more like a philosopher who's using science fiction mm. to get across okay. ideas. So, you know, there are people within kind of, you know, consciousness studies and those things that love the way, like like Ubik deals with. I won't give away much, but it's kind of who is dead, who is alive, and uh, what has survived. Oh, and, we, and, and it is enough it, now. It's, uh, <laughs> My it, boyfriend has this thing where he like you can't talk about anything he's not seen in any way yeah. because he sees anything as a spoiler. So you'd be like, <laughs> "What's well, about this horse?" And he'd be like, "Oh, great! No, no, there's a horse in it. Ruined." 
yeah, sorry. No, that's it. So, so there's loads. I mean, he wrote so much. Every time you think, well, I must have read a reasonable number now. And then yeah. you go, oh, no. Oh, no, there's wow. another. Because he was just, he was a pulp writer. And he just had this ability to just keep writing and writing. Not like L. Ron Hubbard, who you if you go look at his stuff, you think, well, I do get a sense that this was quite hurried. Yeah. Um, but that said, he was still amazing at his ability to just go, I'm just going to keep typing, I'm going to keep typing, I'm going to keep typing. I think we talked about this in an old show where yeah, he used to have this, just it had a roll of paper. Yeah. Type, 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 that's finished for the big Western magazine. Type, 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 that's for amazing stories and it's done. Whereas you really see a development in, in Philip K. Dick. And even the, the early stuff, used to, there's, there's none, none of them that I've read that I've not gone that since. And then he keeps returning to a lot of similar ideas, but you don't go, oh, boring, you go, oh, Oh, he's got another little angle. Mm. Yeah. So what yeah. a brain to have to be able to churn things out that were of that quality. Oh, it sounds so tiring. <laughs> <laughs> Far yeah. too like, much work. He, I'm not a big believer in too much. No, me neither. Yeah, I and just. I, I think as well, like if you can do like less, if you can make less work, people really have to savor it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It's like if you're a band and you put out two albums, everyone's yeah. like, oh, those guys. You know. No, I totally disagree. No? Yeah, because that's what annoys me. Kurt Vonnegut, why wasn't he writing two a year at least? Kurt Vonnegut wrote about 30 books. Yeah, I know, but I've only got about two left now. There's two that I, do, I still haven't read Bluebeard. I've deliberately kept Bluebeard, Bluebeard. Uh, aside. We should read Bluebeard. Okay, we'll for read this. Bluebeard next week then. That's what we'll do for, do for the show. Okay. So, what did what did you read when you? I mean, when you were oh, travelling yeah. around, and you're being, you know, given that there's this private tutor, and then you've got to pop in and go and you know bow to the Pope or whatever and sing, yeah. you know, Pia Yezu. You know, satisfy um, the, like arena of fans. Yeah. And then go back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. Um... I didn't have that much time. Like I worked a lot, and I suppose that's why I'm I'm a little bit scared of like seriously hard work nowadays. Because uh, I did work a lot, and I was like it was hardcore. Um, but I used to read. I pretended I don't know why, but I pretended that I'd read the whole works of Plato. I used to go on TV and just be like, "Yes, I have read the entire works of Plato, and I found it satisfactory." <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I I skimmed that a bit. Um, because I thought, oh fuck, I've, I better sort How of. You you Did you like... have that moment where they went to and Tom Parkinson and joined by Charlotte Church and AC Grayling? Oh bollocks, <laughs> not Grayling. Who can yeah. I pretend instead? Um, but there was a, a book I loved when I was younger called *The Power of One* by Bryce Courtney. Oh yeah. Set in South Africa about a boxer, um, and I loved that book. I'm, I don't know what it was about it, but it really, really moved me. Uh, and another book called um, The Memoirs of Cleopatra, and I've always had a fascination with ancient Egypt and, you know, the gods and the whole system and the yeah. pharaohs and the Ptolemies and all of that. Um, yeah, by Margaret George, The Memoirs of Cleopatra, which I loved, and I cried when it was over. I was so upset it was over, but it was beautiful. Um, and I was, I loved the Harry Potter books a lot. I was doing a concert in Jerusalem, um, which was amazing. Um what an incredible place. And I had the, I think it was the fourth Harry Potter book, which I read in a night. Oh, wow. Yeah, I read it in a night. I was so excited to have it that I read it in a night and I had, and I didn't sleep and I had a concert to sing at the next day, this massive concert in Jerusalem. I love that too, because I'd be like, guys, I'm a bit rough today. <laughs> just been raising Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling. <laughs> you could have done an Andy Kaufman gig, though. Like when Andy Kaufman went on yeah, and he would just, just read F. Scott Fitzgerald, Great Gatsby. But if you'd gone to Jerusalem, you know, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Charlotte Church. Um, what you got? I'm not going to be singing. I'm going to be reading <laughs> Chapter 7. 
Because that's what's yeah. weird, because you are exactly of that generation, aren't you? Mm. Where the first book came out and you grew up with it. Because I, I find it difficult now because my son, he's read the first three. And like the second, the third one's a big <laughs> lump of a book for a seven-year-old. Yeah. And then the fourth one, all his mates, they all started the fourth one and they all kind of went, oh. Yeah. And they made up different excuses like, yeah, I can't read this one because I don't like the font. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, until until excuse. they change the font, I'm afraid my son will not be reading number four. <laughs> I um, haven't. I, I I've got a stupid a thing with Harry Potter, which is when it first came out, I was a little bit too old to be like proper target market. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I'm a grown up. <laughs> and that's probably like 17. But I'm like, <laughs> you would have been at exactly the worst age for it, like, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. you, you you would have been. I, I, read stuff like I that. think I've mainly read the complete works of Plato, like Charlotte Church, actually. <laughs> I found it fine. I mean, obviously, there's some lacking in his arguments, but, uh, but, I, but so I missed it. And then I did this thing. I was like, I read it with my kids, and then I still don't have kids, and yeah. I really do want to have them. But even if I had them now, I'd have to wait another six years. Yeah. And by this point, I'm really quite desperate to like read some. But I've come this far. I can't like read them now. Give in. I just like the it. fact that one day your children. Your children, who will, of course, grow up to be serial killers when they found out <laughs> that the only reason you had them was so you could read <laughs> Harry Potter. And the reason that they were left like... alone in their smelly cot. Get back all in the of basement. That, yeah. No, no, they'd be fine till they're about ten and then we'd read the last one and I'd be like, and that's Harry Potter and now you're going into care. <laughs> yeah. God. I don't mean it, children. I don't mean it, future children, wherever you may be. I'm going to love you so much. It's all right, then you've got Northern Lights. Oh, yes, that's yeah. true. And again, I put that off to sort of... But it's so Have stupid. you not read Northern Lights? No, and it's just arbitrary <gasps> stupid decisions because I know I would love them. Oh, my goodness. That is I literally one of my favourites. I absolutely adore those books. I've heard they're really good. It's just phenomenal. Like, the idea of a kid's book... And sort of the, the grand idea is sort of about killing God. And like for a child's book, it's just like, wow, gutsy, gutsy choices there. I like Philip Pullman as well. There was a, I asked him once to do the show like the ones that you, you did last night and you've yeah. normally done with me as well. I believe you and didn't want me this year. No, it's literally because you've done every single one. Yeah. I thought I better change I it. Did yeah. Think that. yeah. And uh, the, uh, people were complaining that Grace didn't do enough. I said, look, we've had her every year. That's why she's allowed to do one duet with Charlotte Church and then get Did off. you do that last night? Yeah, it was lush. What did you guys sing? We sang An- Anais Mitchell, Why We Build a Wall, which is from this folk opera called Hades Town. Oh, wow. But it's a phenomenal song. Really interesting. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Grace Oh, she's lash. So where do you what do you uh, what do you read now then? Apart from so you've started Philip K. Dick. I struggle. Generally. Do you know what I struggle? I'm so tired the majority of the time that as soon as I start reading, I fall asleep. Yeah. So uh, it's like I can get through about two pages. <laughs> well, you've and, and got go. two kids as well yeah. who, are, who are youngish, and that was what I, I don't know. Is it all right? We talk about the fact you homeschool. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So do you? does yeah. that, that so change it? Because you find yourself sometimes thinking, well, I've got a homeschool today and here's an area that there's going to be questions asked. Yeah, totally. But I think because of the invention of the internet, so we have like a little little section of homeschooling. um, And it's not just me who does it. Like uh, there's a lady called Leanne who helps us and my partner, Johnny. And we've got um, a teacher. She's an actual teacher called Dawn because we wanted to try and get more kids involved. Some of the other homeschoolers just to take the pressure off the parents a little bit and try and, you know, make it a bit more social and a bit more of a community thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, yeah, so we do a thing called Ask the Internet because, you know, so I basically explain to my children that the internet houses all of human knowledge thus far. So 
we should probably learn how to use it properly and research. And I think that research is going to become something which is of tantamount importance yeah. for the for the, the workforce in the future. Um, and the questions they ask are amazing. You know, how are stars made and all sorts of cool stuff. And yeah, so just teaching them to ask questions and research and find which are credible sources and stuff. And do you find yourself wanting to go... Well, of course, I do know how stars are made, but we did say asking the internet. Yes. So. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I, it's in my head. I can't get it out because <laughs> it's physics. Um, yeah, so and we read a lot. We've read to them every night. I try and sing to them as well, but they they don't like it at all. Just read the story. So Johnny does all of the story reading because he's far better at doing all of the voices, etc. Um, but we love Neil Gaiman a lot. Oh, wow. So fortunately, the milk is great. The wolves in the walls, um, yeah, he's done some brilliant ones. But yeah, we read that we read a lot of children's books, and I've just got some beautiful ones for Christmas. What were your favourite ones to? Well, if you did read them, yes, like when they were little, what are the ones you thought? I'm going to force them to like this because this is fun to read, and these are the ones like you know, Doctor's Use for me is always yeah. great fun to read, just personally, and therefore yeah. I know that sometimes my son would go, "Oh yeah, let's read this one, Dad," and I thought well, that's a very nice gesture. I know he doesn't really want to hear this yet again, yeah, but I like again, I like doing the voices, oh, I like doing do you, the voices. Do you really there. think your your boy is like? Well, let's give Dad a bit of yeah. fun. Yeah. Oh, that's very sweet. I think they do. They, they do, do that. They, do they, that. they go, yeah, they they go well, this will be nice oh. for everyone. If we all, then we're all happy, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Oh, do so do nice. your green eggs and Sam I am voice. Do what, your Sam I am voice. What a voice. good boy. What a good boy. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, my mum used to read us this book called The Girl from Nowhere about a little refugee girl. Uh, I guess in the 50s, this girl shows up with a suitcase. And, like, I think she must have kept it from her parents. So we had about four or five books that, in my family, of me and my sister and my mum, were, like, classics. Then you speak to other people and you're like, yeah, like the girl from nowhere. And people are like, no. <laughs> it sounds really not. harrowing. Yeah, it's, that's not a thing. And, like, Rumour Godden as well. Did you ever read Rumour Godden Rumour Godden who only yeah. died this year, I think, didn't oh, she? No, Rumour Godden? Yeah. Oh, God, I didn't know you didn't know. Oh, this no, I'm sorry. Rumour Godden writes books about girls who are, like, often, like, orphans. Yeah. And they have very special relationships with dolls. And the dolls are alive. And oh. the dolls love them, and the dolls want to be their friends. No, and God, I can't really cope with that. <laughs> so, I, we were like tough Yeah, girls. I agree. Like, no, no, I'm not, not like... seeing what you're seeing is charming. No, I mean... What I'm seeing is an army of aggressive voodoo dolls no. taking over Mallory Towers. No, it was not Mallory in a blind. It's not soft. It's sad. Yeah. It's harsh. It's like reading comic books of like Bunty, where there's like a. Oh, uh, yeah, we talked about the haunting yeah, yeah. Bunty. To... So, but, what would sorry. you. Um, what would you aspire, the books that you think, one day there's going to be a couple of weeks spare. Yeah. What are the things you think, I must read that now? I really want to read David Foster Wallace, something of David Foster Wallace's, because people keep telling me about Infinite Jest, that it's I like... I about that once. Did you? Did you say you read it? I was on a train, oh, right. and this bloke came up, so I was just reading a collection of his journalism. Yeah. And uh, this guy came, oh, yeah, this is David Foster Wallace. And I went, yeah, I've read Infinite Jest. <laughs> And I don't know why I said it. And then, so I lied about that. And then I knew just enough about it to go, yeah, the scene in the garage. 
which probably goes on for ages. It does go on for ages. And then I think even he thought, he hasn't read it. And do you know what? I don't think I have. Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think I was having a little snooze on the 314 from Marlborough. And in the snooze, I imagine I'd read all of Infinite Jest. And now I've seen another man and we're sharing this dream moment. But I started reading it. And it is, because uh, everyone goes, you know when people go, I mean, it's impenetrable to begin with. And it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not. Like it's not impenetrable, but you just go. It can take time, isn't it? It's and a then very unique style. Short attention span. Yeah. So I always find myself by the two hundred and seventeen. I go, hang on a minute. Who was Stan? Mm. Yeah. Or whatever it might be. I'd find that's a... exactly like I like one of the reasons that what I really loved growing up and what I've sort of developed as a thing I love is like terse, sad fiction or like poetry that's quite small and formless. And I think it's partly because I like things that you can get done quickly. Mm. Not not because I'm like a Philistine, sorry, not because I'm like a Philistine, but because I think it's so much of a commitment to carry around that much. And I think it's fulfilling and wonderful, but mm. it's for me, if I can get something into my brain and understand it, it's because we're scattered. That's why we yeah. do what we do, right? Yeah. Scientists and astronauts go, this is going to take time. Yeah. I'm going to spend years on this. And we go, what can I learn quickly and then say a thing on stage at? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's it. So so that means, you're, look at that thing. Look at that thing. Look at all these things. Oh, look, I've put all these things together in an hour. People yeah. have imagined I had depth. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> exactly. That is how it works, exactly isn't it? Yeah. But also, I think that must... I wonder if there's like a correlation with songwriting. Like, Have you ever thought you'd like to write like a concept album about something where you're like really exploring lots of different facets of something through songs. No. Good <laughs> <laughs> fuck them. No, I mean, there's a general thing. I suppose I've got a general thing with anything that I make or anything creative where it's something about acceptance and the idea of death and the idea of accepting death and all of the rest of it mm. um, that I'm sort of constantly trying to get in. So I've got, there's a, there's a project I've got on next year um, which will be a, a remake of I, I don't I probably shouldn't say it hasn't been announced yet whatever um, but of a Hans Christian Andersen piece which will be like a musical thing um, yeah and in and yeah everything that I make is sort of like that's what I want to get across so there's like a, a Bjork um, song which has got the lyrics it's not meant to be a strife it's not meant to be a struggle uphill and even though that seems like quite a simple sentiment when it's sort of repeated like a mantra. I don't know, I just think that so many people have forgotten that and everything, everybody's trying so hard and everything's such a struggle and everything's so difficult. So it's just about trying to rem remind people and I think physics, you know, same with sci-fi, I mean, it's all escapism, but with physics as well, that, I think that's what gives me the weird comfort thing. I don't know what what the fuck, I've gone off on a right, right no, tangent. That's just, so no, what, what you're really saying is that all of your work really since the age of 12 <laughs> has been a preparation for death. <laughs> So that's, yeah. Well, that's what someone said. That's, I can't remember which uh, Greek philosopher it was. You'll know. You've read all of them. Um, but the, uh, the, 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 that's what the whole of life is somehow preparing yourself for, for death. No, but also, so, if you're thinking about, like, things aren't supposed to be difficult, like, it does relate back to longer books because I've been put off yes. reading things literally because of the perceived commitment or the fans of that book that make it perfectly clear that if you're not a proper fan of that book, you're not a proper... Yeah, um, like, the, like oh, the, hierarchy, the hierarchy of it. Yeah. Yeah, which is ridiculous. But I mean, I got, um, uh, I've got a friend called Deborah who's amazing, um, who you, you probably know, Deborah Coughlin. Um, and she uh, has got this feminist choir. She's a journalist and a writer and she's got this feminist choir called Gaggle who are amazing. Oh, yes, yeah. And she's great. And she told me about the Golden Notebook 
Doris Lessing. Yeah, that's on my that, that's on yeah. my that's on the third pile away from my bed, so it's very close <laughs> to not being read. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to move all of the books from my bed every now and again. It's just like this is you know it's not going to happen. Just forget tried, about it. Guys, yeah, we, <laughs> we totally tried. Put it back on the bookshelf. I'll see you again. Um, but I read the first. There's a little uh, like intro, like a little story at the start. Which I read, which was amazing, and then I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. The rest of it, and you know, Deborah was just like, "When you're ready, you'll be ready. It's fine. Put it yeah. down. Don't, don't, don't make it difficult. Don't force yourself to do it. When you're ready to read it, you'll be ready to read it. It's fine." Well, that's the same it's like Swan's Way. I mean, I, I love Swan's Way. I don't know how many times I've started it. <laughs> and it is though. I, I, and I actually, I did read the whole of Swan's Way in the end, I'm and then I went, you know what? Probably won't be doing the rest. Yeah. I mean, well I'm done. I'm glad it exists. Swan's Way. I'm so sorry not to. It's, uh, it's Proust. Oh, okay. yeah, and it's uh, that's the one that you can once you know enough, you can look intelligent by making a little joke about the remembrance of a cake. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was a sudden Proustian cake memory, <laughs> like that. And people are like very yeah, yeah, yeah. good. But but the thing is, with Infinite Jest, I've read. I suppose it's the Madeleine one. Thing. So every time you see, you know, when people say things in in reviews where they go, "Now, what's interesting in this story is very much the Madeleine of yeah, this." Yeah, yes. Because yeah. we've all read Proust here, haven't we? At the big book literary magazine. <laughs> Come on. But I, but with Infinite Jest, I've read a supposedly fun thing that I'd never do again because I did some gigs on a cruise. And it was funny and Classic engaging. Classic cruise ship stuff. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. what that's what the old ladies and the gentlemen want. Um, so now you've done your Carver joke. Do something. David Foster Wallace walks into a bar. <laughs> it takes ages, but it's worth it. Um, he's. Um, I really loved it. I found it, you know, interesting, funny, clever, so funny. And so I know that Infinite Jest. I think I would love it, but I'm almost put off by the amount of people who said you'd love Infinite Jest. Yeah. Which I know is pathetic. No, but then you'll get also, someone will go, one day they go, I mean, I couldn't be friends with someone who hasn't read Joyce's oh. Ulysses. I mean, I couldn't be friends with them. Because that, that was last year, a bit like my retirement this year. Do you remember I gave up work in uh, July? And then basically that worked everything. didn't work yeah. very well, did it? Because everyone knew that I was free and <laughs> therefore would ask me to do things and I find no difficult. Yeah. Um, and uh, and at the beginning of last year, there it was. There was uh, some Proust, there was Ulysses and there was Infinite Jest and they were definitely going to get done by the end of the year. Mm. And this year I start again a new exactly the same situation the books remain there still unread and you pick up the priest and you smell it and it reminds you of last year when you try <laughs> yeah. to do it I think that might be my new year's resolution this year is read more books yeah just dedicate the time like make sure that I'm not doing it whilst I'm tired or got you know before bed do you know I had a friend who his resolution last year was he was going to read a book a week <gasps> oh my no, goodness but he bloody did it wow and, and I think I decided this year that's just uh, 20 why do I need to say clarify what year it is? <laughs> 2015. I decided at the start of this year that I was going to try and read four books a month. Yeah. And I did a chart and some months I managed four books and some months I managed one book. But the sheer fact of keeping the chart yeah. has made, meant that I've read more. Did it mean that you couldn't watch anything? No. No. It just meant that <laughs> I... Always made sure to have a book on me. Yes. I was going to say, I always made sure to have a bath at the end of the week. So I'd really begun to stink. That was part of the, yeah, I, I didn't wash. That's what I took out. What Kept can I save TV. time on? <laughs> this astronaut food and no bathing. So as long as I've got moist wipes and some puree, read, read, yum, yum, wipe, wipe, read, read, yum, yum, wipe. What watch Man in the High Castle. <laughs> yeah. 
nice. my own filth. <laughs> One of the most uh, physical books I've ever read is um, Murakami uh, Winds Up Bird Chronicles. I've not read oh, any Murakami. Me neither. It's really unusual. I've never, I've never read anything like that. And basically, it's uh, this Japanese dude, and it's all very uh, philosophical. But he lock, uh, goes down a well and basically locks himself in this well, and it just leaves you with this mad, really physical, quite empty, existential feeling, which was really interesting. Wow. So I definitely want to read more Murakami. Because last, that was it was a mad feeling. I've never had that physical reaction to a book. Last week we were talking about um, Jean Reese, yeah. who wrote this book, Wide Sargasso Sea. And I remember that it's one of the books that I've had the most physical reaction to ever in my life because it's so vivid in describing it's set in the Caribbean and it's so vivid describing... Oh, God, sorry. Because you're also going... You've gone a little bit sotto voce today. I have my sotto voice. voice. It's really oh. lovely. Is it sotto voice? <laughs> I, do, I know voce, I think. Oh, okay. I think so. I don't, you're the one who knows. I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> You've read all the Latin. <laughs> all the done, Latin. Done all the Latin, all the Greek, done all of them. I've all of them. them. When did you finish all the books, Charlotte? <laughs> well, Michael Parkinson, I think it was when I was 11. <laughs> oh, man. Carry on, darling. Um, I've got no It Just in terms of, it left me with this in mm. very odd sense of having been really, really physically shaken up emotionally by it. Yeah. Other books I've read haven't done. Yeah. It. And it is really rare, I think. Totally. It does make you think I'll just seek out everything they've written. Yeah, and see for the uh, yeah, But it's quite they, rare. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know how on earth Murakami managed to make it mm. like that. Like it's like, wow, what power to to be able to make somebody like really physically react yeah, to like your words. Discovering that noise. You know, the noise mm. that makes your bowels empty yeah. or like the noise yeah. that makes you fall asleep. Magic. The noise that, yeah, it's, it's magic. <laughs> well, that's what, because what I don't think, I can't remember ever having, I mean, I've, I've had ex- tremendous excitement reading books, yes. both melancholy books and action books and whatever, but I never remember having a moment of actual, of tearfulness. Have you, what is the book that is most... You've never cried loads in a book? I don't think so, no. I cry all the time reading. Like, there's, mm. especially if it's a book I love and it's coming to an end, mm. I'm not weeping because it's over. I cried in... The the earliest one I read was that I cried and cried in was Of Mice and Men. Right. Cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. I, I just can't bear it. I think, if anything, like, I cry more in books than I do in films because you're mm. so quiet and insular and ensconced. And then when someone, you know, you don't expect somebody to die or you don't expect, you know, to, what happens to happen. Or my favourite is, like... If it's Raymond Carver or like um, Richard Yates, like mm, that is what life is like. Isn't it? <laughs> People I, can't. I'm as deep like... as a character in a book, aren't I? <laughs> well, there's yes. a brilliant, there's a brilliant line that I'll never forget in um, Richard Yates's book, um, Revolutionary Easter Road. Easter Parade. Easter Parade. <laughs> no, <laughs> not the popular one. It's not Easter Parade again. You always mention Easter Parade, <laughs> and all I see when you say Easter Parade, of course, is Judy Garland. Well, is that, is uh, there she was in Easter Parade, wasn't she? I have no idea. No, oh, that this is your area. It's music. <laughs> Singers. Bloody hell. I don't know about who sang it Oh, man. I crammed too much in. There's this book called Easter Parade. And it's... I don't know why I'd say there's this book. There's a Richard Yates book called Easter Parade. And then it's about two sisters. One of them... And about their lives. And one of them marries this alcoholic who's vile to her and has two kids and is very stuck in this sort of suburban 1950s life. And one of them sort of wants a partner and wants a life, but sort of it doesn't quite work out for her and she keeps sort of 
going getting into bleaker situations and they both they both have very sad like a spoiler alert and <laughs> there's a bit where one of them says she started crying and she was crying partly because of how sad it was and blah 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 but then they said deep down she was only crying for poor Emily Grimes for herself for poor Emily Grimes who understood nothing and was understood by no one and it's like oh my god oh like, that's devastating yeah and the idea that like you know sometimes when you're reading a book the way it makes you feel is like you know lamenting your own experience of life and yeah. how hard it can be or how you know how alone you might feel you know it was so oh my god Richard Yates so he's my favourite okay Richard Yates it's all very mad book a week book a month for me <laughs> but that's yeah. honestly I, I, do, I do believe that keeping a chart and aspiring to do it yeah. helps you do a bit more than you would otherwise I really want to read a prayer for Owen Meany as well Oh, I got given that. I haven't read it. My partner Johnny's read it, and he said it was one of the most emotional, beautiful books he's ever read. Oh. And he's a proper boff in that one. No. Um, yeah. So that that really looks like it will be phenomenal. Did you know? Are you a crier reader? I'm not much of a crier in general. No. Really? Nah. Oh. You're very. You generally you're you're pretty upbeat. Yeah, I've found, I'm alright. The right. few experiences of, of meeting you. Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah. See, that's funny because when you said I'm not a crier, I didn't think upbeat. I was just like strong, <laughs> strong. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's. I mean, I was going to bring this up actually because I don't know, and I would be interested if people want to write to us or tweet us about this because we were talking about this yesterday a little bit, which was that uh, my mum died last week, and I had to work out what to read and do at the funeral, mm. and that was a really and worrying about being emotional. Because of the whole, you know, I'm, I am from that family that, you know, said to you before, we don't really talk about love. It's there, but it doesn't, it's not required mm. to, to bring it up. And I chose a bit from The Little Prince because she had, that was a book she had when she was five years old. And I still have her copy of The Little Prince. That's gorgeous. And that was an interesting one to think. I had to read it about five or six times. I went for a walk and I just read it so that there was nothing that would take me by surprise. Mm. As I stood there in the church and read it, uh... You know, also it's thinking about people that I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to, to people not to be too upset or to trigger any any more than people already. And that was, that was a trick, because The Little Prince, have you ever read The Little Prince? No. It's such, do you know it? Mm. It's such a beautiful story. And it's about this pilot crashes in the desert and uh, he meets a little prince. And the little prince lives on this small, uh, it's an asteroid really, isn't it? It's mm. a tiny, tiny little planet and it's got little rose on it. Mm. And he's so worried about the rose because it doesn't have proper thorns to defend itself. And they have all these different conversations. And then uh, there's a, at the end, the little boy, when the man's repaired his plane, the little boy gets bitten by a snake mm. and, uh, and he's dying. And there's this lovely bit, because I was thinking about the whole thing, the Carl Sagan thing, you know, we're all star stuff, the stuff of us, the stuff that does. There's this lovely little conversation where the little boy's laughing and the pilot's so worried because he knows he's dying as well. And he says, I'm giving you a gift, this is the little prince. And he said, my, my planet's so tiny that you, you, if you look up at the stars, you won't be able to know which one it is there that's mm. shining there. So, but I'm going to give you a star that laughs because every time you look up there, you won't quite know which one's mine, but you will hear the stars laughing. And and it's just it's such a little prince is one of my so I was interested in what people the things that like if you had something read at your uh, funeral, funeral yeah oh I doubt I'm going to die so we don't need to worry about yeah that. we have been working on that quite <laughs> well. see yeah. I I like I, I like talking about funerals and stuff and I'm I'm always talking to my friends about what their funeral song etc would be yeah um I think maybe um maybe some Roald Dahl. 
Do you know, this is... Roald Dahl is in every single one of the podcasts. Yeah. People yeah. love... Uh, he I love incredible. also your upbeat he's melancholy as well. That's <laughs> another thing you do. The upbeat, morbid Charlotte <laughs> Church. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, maybe Roald Dahl. I love the Velveteen Rabbit. I think Aww. that's such a beautiful story. Um, but my funeral song is definitely um, uh, Talking Heads, Once in a Lifetime. Oh, that's, Ooh, that's good. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah. That's, again, you that's could have gone for Road to Nowhere, but yeah. with your upbeat morbidity, <laughs> you went with something Oh, very God. Different. Road to Nowhere would be the most terrible funeral <laughs> choice. <laughs> Not if awful. everyone in the congregation was doing that magical walk that Do David know, Byrne did in a nice suit. Yeah, if everyone was just yeah. there in the pews. Yeah. And the vicar's there going, they're going to knock some of those, oh. I'd have nothing but flowers if I was going to have a talking head song. At my, but it's irrelevant, but it's ever so good. But what do you reckon, if you, off the top of your heads, what do you guys think, well, story-wise and song-wise? Oh, oh the, uh, see, song-wise, there's one side of you that wants to go, I want everyone crying. <laughs> uh, I want everyone to be, because I think you're, there's a clash, isn't there? You go, I, I don't want people to be too sad at my funeral, but I definitely want them to know that they'll miss me and their life will never be the same again without me. So I think there's that. So do I know it's over by the Smiths? Mm. You know, I love the uh, I'm trying, that young at heart. Do you know what? Actually, I this has nothing to do with anything. Okay. But uh, the version of Space Oddity uh, by the Langley Schools Music Project. Oh wow! Or any of the Langley. Do you know the Langley Schools Music no, Project? You don't know anything specific. about music. You don't know anything about Plato. <laughs> Your whole life has been a sham. Uh, the Langley Schools Music Project. I always bang on about them because it's kind basically of lost tapes found, 1976, it? 75. Uh, this music teacher in Canada, in the kind of wheat belts of Canada, went, "Let's make some albums with the kids, yeah, and we'll get the pressed vinyl pressings. Then all the parents can have one." Beautiful. And then idea. it was someone like John Zorn, I think, the 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 uh, experimental jazz guy who. Um, he found one in a in a record shop in New York, I think, in a thrift shop, something like that, and just went, "This is brilliant. There's a fantastic purity. All of these children are singing songs by. In fact, I think they do. God only knows. Really, yeah, they do. Uh, God only knows. There's a couple of it." it Oh, God only knows it would be a bloody brilliant funeral song. Oh, well, yeah. she she ended our uh, uh, our night last night. With I God love only knows. that song. My kids sing it. Oh, it's a part of part of homeschool. Johnny teaches them songs, so that they've learned. Cry hearing my kids so, singing that song. So far, they've learned "Jealous Guy" John Lennon, a Bob Dylan song. <gasps> Jealous guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's early. That's early. But they love they love singing it. It's such a great a lovely, melody. Yeah. Mm. And that, you know, that whole hearing like a little one just singing, I didn't mean to hurt you. Oh, it's just like, oh, I love you. You thought was them. But what's lovely is now they merely think that's because they pushed someone over in the gravel. <laughs> yes, yes. Later on, they will know that it's far more than grazing yeah. your knee in a Band-Aid. They will know that that's tearing someone apart. Yes. This is slightly irrelevant, but I I really love Ringo Starr, right? And not, not necessarily the man, but definitely how he looked in the early 60s. I think he's the most mm. beautiful man, right? And I think a lot about how hateful a person... Not hateful, that's too strong, but how cruel a person John Lennon was and how many things in his personal life that you find out and you're like, bloody hell. Mm. And then how problematic it is with Paul McCartney being as he is the guy who, obviously, when they killed Paul McCartney, the replacement, the one that we've been... <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking, but... How there's a small element of problematic thing about loving Paul McCartney. And I'm just going to go for the rest of my life all out on the campaign trail for Ringo Starr being the best Beatle. Yeah. Do you know all what? Out. You've made me realise now that what I would have loved is a version of Randall and Hopkirk Deceased starring John Lennon and Paul McCartney. <gasps> that would be great. I would watch that. Yeah. Let's, let's somehow make it <laughs> using... 
our parallel universe technology. Time travel. It's the only thing that we can do. But that that bit about reading, have you ever read a biography of someone and gone, that was a mistake? Like Peter Sellers yes, movies, yes. I find, mm. I still think, you know, things like Dr. Strangelove, and obviously he's an amazing performer and, and strangely fascinating man, but there's things that you find out from reading yeah. things like The Life and Death of Peter Sellers, or even the, the Peter Ackroyd book that he released, the little slim one he brought out about Charlie Chaplin. And I think, oh, I don't know if I really want to... Uh, the separation of art and the mm. human being. I don't think I've ever read a biography. An autobiography. See, I love... One of the books that I nearly bought today when I went down because of all the charity shop stuff I bought was Michael Winner's, one of his books. Oh, God. There's something about Michael Winner. There's something about certain <laughs> columnists that I really enjoy. And mm. I know I know, I shouldn't be reading this. I should be reading Swan's Way again. <laughs> but uh, and instead I'm reading him going, anyway, then I went to a restaurant in Essex and blah, blah, blah. And this, the, there is something strangely comforting about reading these sometimes humorous, trite reviews of Consomme. Mm. Oh, I love a restaurant review. I can't believe that it's taken us five episodes to get to this. I love a restaurant Right, so what restaurant yeah. review book are we going to read then? There must be a well, lovely collection. I, I I happily read Jay Rayner's reviews. I um I I wouldn't read an A.A. Gill for political yeah. reasons. But it, like... It, Pronounce his name properly. Arsehole, arsehole. Ah, Gill. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought someone, someone's got a joke where they call him arsehole, arsehole Gil, haven't they? That's what I love, is it, the is it stu- stupid jokes. I, like, um, <laughs> I wouldn't come up with anything that sophisticated. I used to like such a stupid joke about A.N. Wilson, who did a lovely documentary about Philip Larkin recently. Oh, no. And a friend of mine would always just merely go, uh, Anne Wilson's a lovely... Uh, <laughs> and it's just stupid. It's just A.N. Wilson. No, it's Anne, Anne Wilson. Um, sorry, so, yeah, but I'll tell you, oh, this is a great cookbook that I, I picked up uh, recently. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, it's, it's not published over and it's called uh it's the is it the holocaust survivors cookbook and oh, wow. it is wow. recipes of um the you know the 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 children those who survived the the recipes of their parents wow and it's a oh. incredible piece yeah. of of the what the lovely thing is there's a review on Amazon because I looked it up where someone goes this doesn't work as a recipe book at all oh, oh shut oh, up they don't, they don't even probably tell you how many cups of grain you're meant to use oh. look one you improvise a little bit they've given you all the ingredients they've given yeah. you roughly the process I think this is not meant to merely be a serviceable cookbook yeah. this is a piece of history yeah. as well and wow. there's something about learning from because I love the George Bernard Shaw's cookbooks quite interesting as well. There's a cookbook because he was a vegetarian and his housekeeper all of the different. Uh, I, I was going to do that once in Edinburgh one year during the festival. I was only going to eat as George Bernard Shaw, and then I realised that I get so worried during the festival that I can't eat solids anyway. <laughs> so I only eat cocoa pops and thin soup. That's amazing. I was going to say there's a book, the Nora Ephron book, Heartburn. Have you read that? I haven't. Mm. I've, I've seen the film. I, I would absolutely recommend it. It's about. Um, well, it's sort of it's about a really difficult time in her love life. Uh, she's like, I think she's pregnant with a baby, and her husband is a shit. Mm. But all the way through, she's a food writer. All the way through, she's put recipes, and it's a brilliant book. And that had me bawling. There's a bit in it where she looks over the table from him, and she realizes she can't stay, and that he's a shit. And I was just. I was ruined. I was like mm. aching sobs, ruined, like trying to stay reading it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, That's I would a completely construct. recommend it. Mm. And it, it works. And again, the recipes aren't that followable. They're like, um, chop the onions and put them in for a bit, you know, and put that in when it's ready. And you're yeah. like, what do you mean when it's ready? How hot? Well, there's an educationalist called uh, Charlotte Mason, and she was one of the first people to sort of advocate the whole idea of homeschooling. 
And uh, she um, talks about teaching children and the importance of teaching children through living books. So anything, whether it's an autobiography, a cookbook, like you mentioned, with the Holocaust survivors. Um, yeah, so this whole idea that you can learn far more when it's from when it's not fiction. It's something that is actually, she calls them living books. Um, but yeah. Well, so then if you're, it, say you just gave your kids like, I don't know, I'm trying to think like magazines that I'd be like, oh, I don't want to read that. That will interact with them far more. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a theory. It's just a theory. Well, I think it's thinking. part of it. It's part of the grander history, isn't it? You're right. I got a book when uh, when my wife was giving birth and it was taking a while, so she went, oh, go and get me something to read. Yeah. Of course, by the time I came back, <laughs> ooh, anyway. But um, So I got her a magazine, and, uh, which by the time she didn't want to read it then, she couldn't concentrate. And, you had a really uh, hard time the, uh, she was giving birth. Um, oh, I'll tell you what, she was giving birth, but I was trying to choose from a very limited number of magazines. I know how cross she gets when I get the wrong one. Um, but then I thought, oh, I'll get a magazine also for, I didn't know then it was a son or a daughter. Yeah. And, I, and I looked, and the only thing they had was a squire. Oh, God. With a, a big Lily Allen cover. Uh, and I thought, well, there we go. Archie, on the day that you're there. So we yeah. haven't kept it. But um, <laughs> but no, I think that is a great... Because, again, another thing with go, going through the archive and, and looking for things, uh, my mum's collection of recipes. Wow. And the folders of them. And that history where, like that post-war thing, that thing in the 1970s where everything was then put in... Uh, just a whole bag of brown sugar and then put in double cream and then add the gammon and then stir it <laughs> up and then, then place it directly into your own heart. <laughs> it is just the... the uh, and and the, it's a great history of the different... You know, from, from the moment yeah. the rational, rationing ended. That's what I love. I love journals. There was a lovely book called... I picked up last week. And I've, uh, it's called something like No Oranges and No Eggs. Uh, I'll, I'll talk, we'll talk about it another time. But it's a diary of a woman during the war. Yeah. And she lived in West London and it's just this is what happened today and rather than the diaries of the generals or the the soul mm. yeah it's another this is this is kind of just what was going on yeah this was the mundane well, food found. especially food especially is such a good way of linking yeah looking at social history and look you know just the fact and i just even thinking about the last five years the way recipe books in this country will have changed we'd probably tell somebody walking in in 50 years everything they need to know about what's going on in our culture i think we should probably make a tv show of of how something to do with food and how we link it through. Oh yeah, like, we'll call it the then... death of suet because <laughs> that's one thing that there is a certain no point you anymore. flick through the uh, book and then of uh, the recipes and all the different bits <laughs> cut out and then you go suddenly no suet. Suet was a staple. There was always <laughs> suet, and now lard and dripping all gone. All of know? the things yeah. in bowls. No more aspic. Oh. Whatever the fuck is aspic. Well, no, I don't know. Have you never had anything in aspic? No. Oh, you like young thing. person. See? See? Right, okay. It was a thing. So either no more aspic or no more suet. I think death to suet. That's yeah, the, uh... death to suet. And it should be an upbeat, melancholic <laughs> comedy yeah. programme linking food throughout people's lives, whether it be historical... What do you reckon? If I was a commissioner, I would green like this. <laughs> Straight away. Also, there's no photos of the food. We only see images of the shadows of the food on the caves. From uh, <laughs> Do you know what was lovely? I looked at Charlotte's face. She doesn't even know about Plato's cave. <laughs> bloody hell. The woman who used to go on know. bloody no, Parkinson no, no. and the Graham Norton show I only, saying I've read all I only said it in America. I was on Good Morning America. Nobody cares. Firstly, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry because he loves, he loves to rib... You love to read, yeah. But also, um, you can't ambush. I my brain is very contextual. 
So sometimes people could put something in out of context and you wouldn't know it, but it doesn't mean you don't know. <laughs> what I'm just saying is that I really now have noticed that that moment that she was on Good Morning Britain with, you know, Good AC Grayling. Good Morning America. It was this woman called Kathy Lee Giffords. Oh, I've heard of her. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a lovely... Oh, my brain has memory of that name. Oh, I was surprised by that. But, oh, my God, it was it was a really schlocky morning show. Uh, I heard a great story from Reese Evans, who I recently did a remake of Under Milk Wood with. Ah, cool. Uh, who's, he's lovely. And uh, he talks was that about... For, is that for television, for film, or was it live? For film. Brilliant. It was a, a film version with Kevin Allen was the director who did T- Twin Town. Oh, Kevin Allen's brilliant. He's, yeah. br- he's so... He's, he's a mad guy. He's surreal, brilliant, constantly smoking. Awesome. Uh but yeah, Reese Evans told me a story about when he went on Good Morning America and he had sort of been drinking from the night before, hadn't gone to bed. And when he saw Kathy Lee Gifford's face, which was reasonably suntanned, fakely so, um, and made up, uh, just kept saying to her, why is your face so orange? I just don't understand. Your face is so orange. And they had to get him off and cut to commercial break. <laughs> and he was smashed. But yeah, so Good Morning America. But I did lots of weird TV all over the world. I did a mad TV show in Japan. Um, which was like a sort of Saturday morning show. The host was a, this really, really ancient man who was about late 80s, who had big, massive dark glasses on. And and I went on and I sang like Amazing Grace or something. And then there was this Japanese glam, glam rock band, um, some like gymnasts, child gymnasts. It was the, just the most bizarre bizarre TV show. It's like the Japanese loose ends. Yeah, it was really strange. And I did another one in Brazil called Planet Xena um, where because they took the ratings um, whilst live, whilst it was happening, whatever got really good ratings, whatever the pe- the ratings peaked, they'd just do it again. <laughs> so I, w- I had done this, I've had such a strange life, I had done this uh, theme tune for a soap called Tormento d'Amore and with this uh, with this old dude, with this old tenor. Uh, so we were on Planet Xena singing this song. The ratings peaked. But of course, I got like a, um, a translator in my ear in an earpiece. I couldn't hear everybody's clapping, so I couldn't hear what she said. So the music just started again. And I was like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> we just immediately sang the song again. That's brilliant. It's bizarre. So yeah, I've had some really mad experiences. So you could have been trapped in a loop for that whole hour and a half. Yeah. Anyway. Just keep going. Yeah, just keep, keep going. Do it again. Luckily, it was only the twice. Uh, otherwise, I think I would have gone. That's a beautiful image, though, isn't it? That yeah. slightly and you're mental. getting older and older and you stoop now and slowly the range is going. Yeah. And no, all, of, going. all of the people playing with you, they're so coming now. Knuckles. The poor tenor with me was probably decomposing. I'm glad that we don't have that on this show now. What, like... decomposing musicians what? while she <laughs> ages in front of us like H. Ryder Haggard she? Yeah. Gutted that I'm I never. Glad as well. <laughs> I think it's that's one of the many things we've got in common. <laughs> but if we had the writing thing, it would be like one guy in Hemel Hempsters just joined in, and he really liked the bit where we were talking about the short story by Joseph Conrad. Well, that's like, totally what it'll probably become with this digital future. Oh yes, a little green light will go on now. Yeah, like, and we'll I just... guess we're talking more about um, 
Philip K. Dick. I... Yeah. Well, we've uh, we've actually run oh. out of time. No. So, no, we have. We're going to. Uh, so, Charlotte Church, thank you. But we didn't get to the textbook of psychosexual disorders. We didn't. No. Which was uh, five quid from the Amnesty uh, bookshop in the Hammersmith, which is excellent. It's got them all in, um, and it's. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been with, oh, yeah, it's got them all in. Yeah. <laughs> Autosexuality, uh, psychopathology, causation, and of course the classic that we all loved, where we all started the Scoptophilia exhibitionism. No, um, loving Scottish people feeling them up at the art gallery uh, thanks very much Charlotte no worries I'll, I'll see you later on tonight obviously yeah. for the Hammersmith show uh, you won't see me because you don't like me Aww. anymore and we're not friends I will go. see you at the shambles shows that we're doing next yeah, week at the Blue we're doing it lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks very much thank you very much no worries for thank you very much everyone who has supported the uh, show you can support the show of our Patreon if you wish, but you still get it for free anyway yeah, if you don't, don't want feel, to. Don't, don't feel, feel under like, any pressure. Oh, I supported that, but I don't have the money. Like, please, please don't feel obliged. Yeah, but if you do have money, it will be spiteful to listen to us Absolutely. and not give and us if, money. If you're so very wealthy because you've done something immoral for your job, even be a nice way to atone. Absolutely. Or just lend us your house for a bit. Yeah. Oh, I'd That'd have it. Nice. Yeah. I'd have it. Thanks very much. <laughs> bye bye. Hello. This is Josie Long. Hello. Robin's not here anymore. So, yes, he may well have started the podcast prematurely, but I'm here to thank you uh, for supporting us. So who is who is better? It's still him. He's better than me. So um, these are people well, These are people that I'd like to thank. Um, just me, not Robin. These are people I'd like to thank for contributing to the podcast. I'd like to thank Ben Braithwaite, Michael Larson, Alan Dickey, Susan Olney, Paul Slade, Nick Bradbury, Rose... So enigmatic. Kate Webster, Sarah Ray, Julia Mariani, Alastair Burgess, Gregory Mendham, Jamie Pond, Adam Murphy, Ed Reed, Roger Shaw, Elaine Downs, Andrew War, and Cy Vert. Thank you so much. Josie, oh. did you thank Alan Dickey without me? <laughs> <gasps>